This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Uh, well, we want to talk to you a little bit about perfect peace today. That's what the Bible has to say about this particular topic. A West Coast doctor took an informal poll among his patients to find out what wish each would make if his wish would be granted. 87% said that peace of mind was more important than anything else. And we have discovered over the years, you know, that really when you ask people, you know, what they would like you to be praying for them about, peace is high on the list. You know, peace. It really is. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. He's coming back for his children. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and everything in them will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives we should be living. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along. The day when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised a world where everything is right with God. And then verse 14, it says, And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort. Now, what is every effort? Given 100%. 100%. So make every effort, 100%, to live a pure and blameless life and be at peace with God. That's a great thought. You know, and be at peace with God, verse 14 tells us there. Especially when you look at all the things that those other verses are talking about. It's it's talking about the world pretty much melting away, you know. Yeah. And he says that we should he says it three different ways that we should look forward to that day. And as we're waiting that we need to live those pure and godly blameless lives and to be right. at peace no matter what's happening in the world around us we need to be at peace You're right. with God Isaiah chapter 48 verse 18 says oh that you had listened to my commands then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river so if we had listened to God's commands we will have peace flowing like a river mm-hmm what happens if we don't listen to God's commands? There will His not, word. That peace won't be there. Oh, that you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling like waves. That's a very positive statement, mm-hmm. you know, if you want God continually working in your life. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace. Great, Great peace. peace. This, that's awesome. Great. You know, Tony the Tiger. The frosted flakes are great. But God's peace is a whole lot greater than that. Definitely. Great peace have they who love your law. You love God's word and you will have peace. If you're looking for peace, go to God's word and discover what it has to say. Great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them. Or make them stumble. Hmm, how about that? So these two scriptures here talk about the connection between loving God's word and the peace that we can have with him. Yep. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he, Jesus is talking about, But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. Peace is talking about wholesome, you know, wholeness. wholeness. 
And then if you, we didn't put it on the PowerPoint, but the rest of that verse says that, and by his stripes we were healed. So three things were accomplished here through Jesus. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we would have peace. And then he took stripes on his back. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And those are the things that he did for us. He was beaten that we might have peace. The price for our peace has already been paid for. Yep, you're right. Romans chapter 5, 1 goes on to explain it more. It says, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And what did Christ Jesus do for us? He died on the cross. He paid for all of our sins. Therefore, we can have the peace of God and have peace with God. That's what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. Neil Moody said, a great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do. You know, all we have to do is we have to enter into a relationship with him, enter into this peace that's been provided for us by faith in him to enter into this peace. Christ is our great peacemaker and the prince of peace. He's the prince of all peace. Mm -hmm. And when you come into a relationship with him, that peace becomes your peace. Our trouble is we want the peace without the prince. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just don't want the prince of peace. We just want things to be peaceful, you know, but we just don't want the prince himself. I think it's impossible to have peace without him. I I agree. It, It is, you know. You need to have the prince himself. And he brings us the peace. If life is a puzzle, you look to Jesus for the missing piece. And there may be a play on that word there, Mm -hmm. the missing piece, because he brings us the peace. You know, and that which is missing in a lot of people's lives, you know, if you look at a puzzle and there's a piece missing, well, Christ brings the peace that we so desperately need. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. You know, let it rule in your hearts. And if you look in other uh, translations and all, you'll find, and let the peace that comes from Christ, you know, umpire, govern, control your heart. What it's talking about. Can you imagine that? The peace that comes from Christ will umpire, you know, and and control our heart if we allow him to do so. Your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And that's that inner calm of, you know, walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. For us to have this peace and for him to umpire and control our life, and we can actually have this calm, walking daily in a close, intimate relationship with him. And then it says, and always be thankful. That's what he wants us to do. Peace with God will bring the peace of God. Peace with God will bring the peace of God. Christ as Savior brings peace with God. Christ as Lord brings the peace of God. So there's a difference there. The peace with God and peace of God. Yep, there is. And so when we accept Christ as our Savior, He makes us to have peace with God. He does. There's no longer sin dividing us from God because He's dealt with our sin. But to experience the peace of God that calls us to surrender and make Him Lord. Well, that's exactly right. Jill Briscoe said, I remember talking to a girl here in this church two or three years ago. And she said, Jill, I have lost my joy. I have lost my peace and I want it back. Where did you lose it? I asked. What does that have to do with this? She replied, help me to get it back. But where did you lose your joy, and your peace. I don't want to talk about that. But eventually she did talk about it. And she lost it 
when she moved in with her boyfriend, and that'll do it. And there's lots of times when people do that which is contrary to God's will. They're seeking the peace, you know, that God provides, but they won't find it by disobeying Him. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really want. So, N-O, no God, there's no God in your life, and there'll be no peace. But K-N-O-W, if you know God, you'll know peace. Sounds the same, but it's two completely different concepts. Mm -hmm. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Now, are you ever tempted to worry about stuff? Yes. He says, Don't worry about anything. Anything. And that's talking about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then he goes on to say, tell God what you need. And thank him for all he's done. And I think we need to be honest with God and say, well, this is what I need. And then I want to thank you for this and this and this and this and this. And it'll keep our prayer life full of information of what we can be thanking God for. You know, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this... You will experience God's peace. If you tell God what you need, and then you thank Him for all He's done, He says, you will experience God's peace. That's what we all need. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard you. His peace will guard you. You know, peace is a a fully armed guard. He's going to guard you. He's going to protect you. His peace will guard you, your hearts and your minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. This is verse 8. Fix your thoughts. Now, would you count these things here? Yep. Fix your thoughts on what is true. 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 And honorable. And right. And think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many is that? Eight. There are eight things that God's Word wants us to fix our hearts upon. And it will really transform us. It really will, you know. So if we run everything through these eight filters, it'll keep the bad stuff out of our life. If we'll do that, you know, filters, you know, take out impurities, you know. And it needs to go through all of them, you know, not just say, okay, it's, it goes through the filter of truth. Well, it's true, you know, it's on the news, right? So it's true. Is that true? No. If it's on the news, it might not be true. But even if it was true, if it doesn't line up with the other ones, is it true? And, and using these filters, you know, helps to maintain the peace of God. That's right. So we, yeah. we ask these questions. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? These are all coffee filters. Is it admirable? Is it excellent? And is it worthy of praise? It needs to go through all through, all eight filters. It really does. And you filter all the, the stuff that's not true, you don't want to sit there and dwell on untrue stuff. No. You, know, you really don't. And you, you get rid of the things that are not those eight things. Yep. So, can your movies and TV and music and books and internet searches and social media, you know, pass through all these filters? Hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Because your filters try to filter the bad stuff out of our life. Well, anyhow, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace. And peace is something that we desperately need. 
You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Are your thoughts fixed on Jesus? You think about it? And fixed, I want you to think of a, be taking a nail and driving it into a board. Now that nail is fixed. It's, it's stable. It's going to stay there. And that's what I'm talking about right here. You know, are our thoughts fixed on Jesus? Are we kind of blown with the wind and tossed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? The only way that we'll have perfect peace is by trusting in God and allowing our thoughts to be fixed on Him. Yeah. And that's why it says, "Peace, let peace be the umpire, the ruler in your heart. An umpire decides what is safe, right? It decides what is out. The umpire calls the shots, and we need to allow the peace of God calls, call the shots in our life. That's actually what it tells us is those words, it means to umpire. Mm -hmm. You develop a wonderful complex. Now, this is not spelled C-O-M-P-L-E-X. It's a complex, C-A-L-M-P-L-E-X, complex. We're using all (laughs) kinds of play on words today. But we need to have that, that peace, that calm ruling in our lives. Yep. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is an awesome prayer. And Paul was praying it for the the church at Rome. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely. Now, what percentage is completely? 100. 100%. 100%. So I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is so important in our lives, you know, and this is a prayer that we can pray for ourselves and we can pray for others that God, who is the source of our hope, fill us completely with joy and peace because we trust in him. And then we will have that confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? Well, especially in the day that we live, but throughout, you know, history, if there's craziness going on in our world, which there is, or there's craziness going on even in your own personal life, and you're at peace, will people notice? They will. They will notice. If peace is there, they will notice. And if they will notice they most probably will ask you, how can you be peaceful when all this stuff is going on? How is it that you have peace right now? And it opens a door for us to share with them about Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. 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 If your sinful nature, so what's controlling your mind? Is it a sinful nature? He says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. So we allow the Holy Spirit to control our life, you know, our mind. And that's where you'll find the life that you so desperately need and want and peace Mm -hmm. that passes all understanding. Sounds to me like there's two options there. Which one are we going to choose? The sinful nature? Controlling our, our mind and then there's death? Or are we allowing the Holy Spirit to control our mind and there's life and peace? It's similar to what it says, I think it's when in the Old Testament says, I put before you life and death, blessings and, and curses. curses. And then he says, choose, choose life. life. It's the same thing, in, but this is in the area of our mind. You're right. We choose who's in control. Yeah. Either the, our sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, verse 165 those who love your law have great peace and do not stumble. We'd shared that before. It all links back to God's word. It all links back to his word. If and you love God's law, you're going to have great peace. Great peace. That's what he says. That's right. You know, just because you love the law, you, you love the word of God, and you're going to have great peace. And he says, and you're not going to stumble. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of not stumbling. That There's a lot of things true. the devil would put out in front of us 
to cause us to stumble mm -hmm. in the day and time that we live. You know, uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul said, Putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. You just got to put it into practice. The things that we have learned from Paul in, in God's word, we've heard from him that he showed us, we just got to put it into practice. Someone once said, where there is peace, God is. But that's really backwards. Where God is, there's peace. It really genuinely is. Dr. Eleanor Canarthy said, the average person has around 200 negative thoughts a day. So you count them up and let me know next week if that's the average. The average person has around 200 negative thoughts a day, worries, jealousies, insecurities, forbidden cravings, dis distressed people have around 600 negative thoughts a day. That's 400 more. Mm -hmm. If you're a depressed person, you can't eliminate all the thoughts that come to your mind, but you can determine which ones will stay there. Because God has given us in his word the ability to filter yep. them out. Yep. He really, really has. Psalms 4, verse 8, it says, I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. That's an awesome, fantastic promise. When you're going to go lay down and sleep at night, you know the Lord's going to keep you safe. He's going to protect you. He's going to protect your family and all your loved ones. I will lay down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Now, babies sleep anywhere, anytime, no worries, pretty much. You know, fear keeps us awake. Has fear ever kept you awake? Yes. Worry keeps us awake. You ever worried about something? Anger keeps us awake. You ever been mad at somebody? Resentment keeps us awake. Guilt keeps us awake. Regret keeps us awake. And when this happens at night, we feel more helpless than ever. So all the troubles that you're facing... Are they keeping you awake? Do they keep you awake at nighttime? Think about it. And he gives us that promise, though, in Psalm 4, 8 that you just read. That yep. I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. As we're looking here in Mark chapter 4, verse 37, I have a great example of it. It says, in a great windstorm. A windstorm is referring to something like a tornado. That's very destructive, very powerful and destructive. A great windstorm, you know, arose and the waves beat into the boat. Not just beaten onto the outside. Beat into, into the, boat. the boat so that it was already filled up with water. So he tells us, but he was in the stern. He who? That's Jesus. Jesus was in the stern, you know, asleep on a pillow. During a tornado? Have you ever slept during a tornado? Uh -uh. Well, Jesus has. And they awoke him. You know? Think about that. He was tired from the, you know, uh, day's activities. And he lay down and went to sleep. And even a tornado didn't wake up Jesus. He wasn't worried about it. He wasn't fearful about it. Because he knew he was going to take care of it. And his father was going to take care of that. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? There's a tornado here. You know, they're all worried and, and all concerned about it. And it says in verse uh, 39, Then he arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. That's what he said. And the wind did what? Ceased. Ceased. And there was a great calm. Mm -hmm. 
Because Jesus told him to stop. Mm -hmm. He said, peace, storm, peace, be still. That's what he says right there in the Bible, you know. And if he can calm the sea, he can calm your soul. Mm -hmm. And he can calm the soul of your kids. He can, he can do anything. Jesus specializes in everything. He really does. Let me see here. Verse 40 says, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? God wants us to have faith. And every one of us can have faith. You just open God's word and you start reading it. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what it says. Mm -hmm. So you hear God's word and it builds our faith. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Now that's what the disciples were saying. You know, peace is not the absence of trouble. But peace is really the presence of God. And do you welcome him into your life? I mean, really, genuinely, not just a prayer and you forget about it, but it's like you acknowledge him when you wake up in the morning. You know, it's pretty much why we start our day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You yes. wake me up sometimes, you know. Does your wife ever wake you up? All thought, the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you think about that, but you start your morning acknowledging his presence with you. How wonderful. Is that the presence of God in the ship, in, in the, the middle of a storm, you know, whatever's going on in your life. So the storm was raging. The sea was beating against the rocks in huge dashing waves. The lightning was flashing. The thunder was roaring. The wind was blowing. But the little bird was sound asleep in the crevice of the rock. His head was tucked serenely under its wings. You know, now that's peace when you think about it. To be able to sleep in the midst of a storm, you know, and, and we got that picture, someone gave us that picture mm -hmm. a few years ago of this, you know, um, terrible Niagara Falls, you know, coming down, and there was some little dry spots in the rock, and there was a bird had a nest there, it was just sleeping in the midst of all that torrential storm that was coming down all around it. In Christ, we have relaxed and at peace in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of bewilderment and perplexities of this life. The storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. We have found peace at last. So said Billy Graham. And that's the kind of peace that in the midst of a storm, the storm can't disturb you. That's what we're talking about. Whenever I am troubled and lost in deep despair, I bundle all my troubles up and go to God in prayer. I tell him I am heartsick and lost and lonely too. That I am deeply burdened and don't know what to do. But I know he stilled the tempest and calmed the angry sea. And I humbly ask if in his love he'll do the same for me. Then I just keep quiet and think on thoughts of peace as I abide in him, my restless murmurings cease. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you all this so that you might have peace in me. In me. Mm -hmm. Who said it again? Jesus said that. That, that you might. have peace in me. There's no other peace that really works. So we need to be in a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where we'll discover our peace. And unpeaceful times even. Mm -hmm. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's right. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 says, May the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace. So he's the Lord of peace. May he always give you his peace, no matter what happens? Now, that is very significant. No matter what happens. I mean, oh, what about if you have a flat tire? No matter what happens. Or, or, or what if your check bounced? No matter what happens. Anything that you can imagine 
says, may the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace no matter what happens. No matter what difficulties you've gone through. No matter what happens, may the Lord of peace himself always give you peace no matter what happens. The Lord be with you all. That's amazing, isn't it? It is. And no when- matter what happens, no matter what happens today. You can have the peace of Almighty God in your life. That's right. That's what he promises us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. The King James Version says, God blesses or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I used to always think of a peacemaker as just a, an individual who was like a mediator. They would... You know, two people were not getting along and a peacemaker would would come and try to mend mend the relationship and try to help them work through it. But there's a broader meaning and a much deeper meaning to a peacemaker than that. And and it's because when we have found peace with God, we become peacemakers and share that peace with other people. We become peacemakers by introducing them to the Prince of Peace. That's the greatest meaning of that word, is to make peace between individuals and God. Because once they come to know God, they will, they will know peace. Once they accept the Prince of Peace into their life, they will know peace. The story is told of a small dog which had been struck by a car and was lying by the side of the road. A doctor driving by noticed that the dog was still alive. He stopped his car and picked up the dog and took him home with him. There he discovered that the dog had been stunned, had suffered a few minor cuts and abrasions, but was otherwise all right. He revived the dog, cleaned up the wounds, and was carrying the animal from the house to the garage when suddenly it jumped from his arms from his arms and scampered off. What an ungrateful little dog, the doctor said to himself. What an ungrateful little dog. He thought no more about the incident until the next evening when he heard a scratching at the door. And when he opened it, there was a little dog he had treated with another hurt little dog. So when Jesus heals our broken heart, do we go find somebody else who's got a broken heart and tell them what Jesus can do for them? Do we pass on the good news to other people? You think about it. Remember the first word Jesus spoke to his disciples after the resurrection. They were in an upper room, fearful for their lives. Their leader was dead and future was really uncertain. And listen to what the scripture says. John 20, verse 19. That evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. He just showed up. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace with you, he said. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. The world can't give you this kind of peace. It can't. You can't find peace in a bottle or peace in a drug or, or things like that. He says, I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. John chapter 20 verse 20 says, As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. You know, he still offers you and me peace today. He genuinely does. It's available to us. Do you have peace? I do. What about you? Do you have peace? How about that? You know? Are you carrying burdens that are are too heavy for us to carry? And it just 
you know, weighs us down? Are we going to leave here today with all the burdens that we came in with? Or will we leave those burdens behind? John chapter 20 verse 21 says, He spoke to them again and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I send you. That's awesome when you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Prince of Peace himself, he says, the same way Father has sent me with peace, I'm sending you. In 1990, newspapers reported that city workers in Newport Beach, California, were sifting through two and a half tons of trash, hmm. looking for $42,500 that was mistakenly discarded at the Great American Bank and hauled away by garbage trucks. That's a significant loss of money, but it is only money. The loss of human lives and souls is infinitely more significant. Therefore, evangelism deserves our very best efforts. Telling someone else, going where Christ sends us, introducing them to the Prince of Peace. You're right. How can I ever repay you? Asked a person of a friend who had done him a great favor. I shall forever be indebted to you for your kindness. Not necessarily, answered the friend. If you really want to repay me, keep your eye open for somebody who needs help as badly as you did and help him. If you're willing to do this, I'll be fully repaid for I'll enjoy the warm feeling that someday through you, I'll help another person. I don't even know Hmm. that idea of paying it forward, of doing good for somebody else because our need was met. And we can have that same idea, that same perspective in our relationship with God. All right. He has given us peace, so let's find somebody else who needs peace and introduce them to Him. Romans chapter 10, verse 15, it says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scripture means when it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of peace. And what we're going to do right now, I want all of you to take your shoes off. I want to come around and see if you got beautiful feet. Just teasing. Well, you hear what he has to say here. Even if we have ugly feet, from God's perspective, they're beautiful. If we're using our feet to take the good news to other people. Because you're transforming lives. You're, you're, you're changing lives by taking the good news to them. Let me read that verse one more time. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And God's the one who is sending us all to tell other people the good news. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's talking about the good news of peace. Nahum chapter 1 verse 15 says, Look, exclamation mark, A messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. And he is bringing a message of peace. That's in your Bible. You know? Being called to the hospital late one night, I was walking down the semi-dark hall with no one around. And a man suddenly ran out of one of the patient rooms. He ran up to me. I had never seen him before. And he said to me with joy in his face, she's going to make it. She's doing better. She's going to make it. And then he made his way on down the hall. I have not I have not seen the man since. I do not know who he was talking about. I assume it was somebody very dear and, and near to him, and he had just received some good news. He could not wait to share it. He did not even have to know the person with whom he had shared it, which was that guy. It just flowed from him because he had received good news and good news is to be shared. And anything about Jesus is good news. Mm -hmm. It really is. And it should be shared. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. Peace comes along with the good news. 
so that you will be fully prepared. You know, as a soldier with stout metal cleated boots, you know, these like, like crampons that you can wear when you're walking on, on ice and things like that, for the good foundation is, is going to help you hold your ground. And he's referring to that as the Bible. Give a man a dollar and you cheer his heart. Give him a dream and you challenge his heart. And you give him Christ and you change his heart. And that's the greatest news that we can receive is having a new heart. Mm -hmm. A new heart where we've been forgiven. It's almost impossible to see a rainbow and not point it out to someone else. Have you ever seen a rainbow? You was outside and you saw, wow, look at that. Hey, look, look over there. Even to a stranger? Have you ever done that? Yes. You just can't hardly control it. It's almost impossible to see a rainbow and not point it out to someone else. It's the kind of a thing that just must be shared. You see one and you want to tell someone about it. If you are by yourself and you see a rainbow, it's frustrating. The gospel is such a beautiful expression of God's love that it just must be shared. What Jesus has done for us. When you get close to, to Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and why he died and all, you can't, you can't hold it in. You just got to tell somebody the good news, what God has done for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but He's of peace. He's the author of peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace changes our life for the better. But confusion don't. You ever been confused? Yes. You don't know to go left or right or to invest or to withdraw or to this or that. Uh, which car to buy or which, you know, which chicken to pick up at a grocery store. Or, you don't know. Lots of people are just confused about everything. You know? For God is not the author of confusion. God will never confuse you. The Bible tells us that's what the devil does. He brings confusion to us. But God will give us peace. Billy Graham once said, I'm convinced that people are open to the Christian message, that gospel of peace, if it's seasoned with authority and proclaimed as God's own word. People are open. The fields are white to harvest. And yep. we need to be those effective laborers. Isaiah 57 verse 1 says, The righteous shall pass away. The godly often die before their time, and no one seems to care or wonder why. Now, the godly die before their time? It says sometimes. And no one seems to care why they die before their time? Mm -hmm. Or no one seems to wonder why? Yep. No, no one, one seems? Go ahead. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. You mean that God takes some people home, protecting them from, from evil? From a worse evil, yeah. That, that's interesting. I mean, it really is. Something we you don't think, think about, about very often. Hmm. For the godly who die will rest in peace. That's what he says. Hmm. Think about that. How many of you have uh, ever had a garden? You ever planted beans? Yep. We planted beans. We were just talking about that. A little bit ago in the back room there. What about tomatoes? Anybody plant tomatoes? Mm -hmm. You all thinking about planting already? <laughs> I've been thinking about it my own self, you know. But it's a little too cold, I think. A little bit. Yeah, it really is. Well, what about watermelons? Yeah, they don't do so good. You know, I, I uh, almost planted some watermelons once. I, I uh, went to the store and I bought these beautiful green watermelons. And I have a real grassy patch in my garden. And I laid them down in the grassy patch and put the price tag on the bottom of the watermelon. And then I took pictures of them and sent them to my brother. <laughs> and he just oohed and awed about my watermelons. How wonderful they were. Now, hey, thanks, brother. And then before it was over with, I turned over where the price tag was on them. So you can see them. So that was kind of like cheating, you know. Very much cheating. So I haven't really been able to grow watermelons too much. But we can plant all kinds of things, you know. 
potatoes and squash. Uh, what about planting peace? Can you plant peace mm -hmm. in someone's life, in your children's life, in your family's life, yes. in your neighbor's life, in your fellow worker's life? You know, think about it. Can you plant it? You know, how would you plant peace? Think about that. You know, and there's all kinds of things in God's word that would encourage us along that line. We read about a little boy who returned home after his first Sunday school class. His mother asked, who was your teacher? And the little boy answered, I don't remember her name, but she must have been Jesus's grandmother because she didn't talk about anyone else. Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus over here and Jesus over there. That's a great Sunday school teacher, I think. Does, does our conversation reflect our love for Jesus? Hmm. Would our words give away our relationship with him? Would other people think that we're his grandmother, grandmother? <laughs> hey. James chapter 3, verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. So if you are a peacemaker, or if you or you or you or you or you are a peacemaker, you will end up planting seeds of peace. Mm -hmm. You can't help it. Yeah. If you're a peacemaker, you're going to be making peace by planting these seeds of peace, you know? And you tell the people the good news about what Christ has done for you. You, you really can't help it, can you? Nope. You, you, you really can't. It's good news. There, there's a group of prospectors set out from Bangkok, Montana, the capital of the state, in search of gold. And they went through many hardships and several of their little company died en route. Finally, they were overtaken by the Indians who took their good horses, leaving them with only a few limping old ponies. And then they threatened them, telling them to get back to Bangkok and to stay there. For if they overtook them again... They would murder the lot of them. Defeated, discouraged, and downhearted, the prospectors sought to make their way back to the capital city. And on one occasion, as they tethered out the limping ponies on a creek side, one of the men uh, casually picked up a little stone from the creek bed, and he called to his buddy... For a hammer. And upon cracking the rock, he said, It looks as though there may be gold here. The two of them panned gold the rest of the afternoon and managed to discover about $12 worth of gold. The entire little company panned gold the next day in the same creek and discovered about $50 worth of gold. A great sum in those days. They said to one another, we have struck it. They made their way back to Bannock and they found not to breathe a word concerning this gold strike. They secretively set about re-equipping themselves with supplies for another prospecting trip. But when they got ready to go back, 300 men followed them. You know? Now, who had told them? No one. That's interesting. No one had told them their beaming faces betrayed the secret. When you think about it, if we've been captivated by Jesus, whom heaven not seen, we love him. We should be unable to conceal that treasure, our beaming faces would betray the secret that God has given us his peace and he's forgiven us and he answers our prayers and he helps us in times of need. That's really the truth of it. And that's what happened to those gold miners that hadn't told a living soul. But 300 men followed them when they went digging for gold. One day, as a woman was crossing a street at London Station, an old man stopped her and he said to her, Excuse me, ma'am, but I want to thank you 
And she looked up and exclaimed, Thank me? And he replied, Yes, ma'am. I used to be a ticket collector. And whenever you went by, you always gave me a cheerful smile and a good morning. I knew that smile must come from inside somewhere. And then one morning, I saw a little Bible in your hand. So I bought one too. And I found Jesus. How about that? I wonder if we'll ever get to heaven one day and someone says, I saw you carrying a Bible. So I bought one too. Because you were so happy, so wonderful. And I figured it had something to do with the book you were reading. Think about that. You know. It's God's peace that says, I don't understand everything, but I'll just rest in God and he will bring me through. It's God's peace that says, though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. It's God's peace that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's God's peace that says, I will trust the Lord and not fear what man shall do unto me. It's God's peace that says, I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We acquire this peace by admitting that we need it. We, we do need this peace, you know, and believing that God offers it to us. We need to believe that, mm -hmm. that he's offering it to us and and we need to receive it. It's always offered to us. Every day of our life, His peace is offered to us, isn't it? It is. It is. Isaiah 57 verse 20 says, But those who still reject me are like the restless sea. Do you know? So if you, if you reject Jesus mm -hmm. when He comes to you, it's like the restless sea. I think we all experienced that before we knew Christ. You're right. Our lives were like a restless sea. And we probably know a lot of people right now who that's how their lives are because they don't know. It's like Christ. a restless sea. But those who still reject me are like the restless sea. It is never still, but continually turns up mire and dirt. Not you know, it's, it's not peaceful. That's right. At all. And verse 21 says, there is no peace for the wicked, says my God. So if we participate in wickedness and wicked activities, Almighty God says there's no peace for such a person. That's right. Who's a wicked person. There's, there's no peace there. But they can have peace. That's, if, that's part of our you're job. Right. That's part of our job is to introduce them to the Prince of Peace because he can change everything. He can. He can forgive all their sins. Job chapter 22, verse 21 says, Stop quarreling with God. If you agree with Him, you will have peace. But it says, Stop quarreling with God. Do you ever quarrel with God? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, the Bible says I shouldn't do that. Well, I'm going to do it anyhow. Well, you won't have the peace that He offers if we just, you know, uh, abandon His ways. It says, Stop quarreling with God! Exclamation mark. If you agree with him, you will have peace at last. And things will go well for you. Uh, would you like things to go well for you? Definitely. Would, would you? Mm -hmm. I want things to go well with me. Mm -hmm. I wonder if things would go well for me for lunch today. Sure. Well, let me read that verse again. Where are you getting at? <laughs> <laughs> I was just putting a thought in your mind. <laughs> You're getting hungry. I know. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm teasing you. You know that. Uh, let me see here. Where was I at? Stop quarreling with God. If you agree with Him, you will have peace. At last, you'll have peace. At last. And things will go well for you. What effort is you doing? You know? You plant in the garden. We were talking about that earlier. You plant in the garden. Whatever you're doing, you know, God says things will go well for you. Whatever your business, whatever your job, your, your, your relationships and all, things will go well 
for you if you agree with him. Stop quarreling with God. If you agree with him, it's Job 20, 21. Stop quarreling with God. If you agree with him, you will have peace at last and things will go well for you. You know, Jesus removes our sins. And what does he give us in his place? Peace. Peace that passes all understanding. And that's what so many people are desperate for. We have heard this. You wouldn't believe from how many people, you know, they're desperate for peace. They've lacked peace. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Wait a minute. God's going to crush Satan. We're not going to have to fight him. The God of peace will soon. I wonder how soon that's going to be. Any he time. says soon, though, don't he? Any time now. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's what he's telling us. You know, we've been talking about peace with God and the peace of God. But there is also God wants us to be at peace with others around about us. And the best way to pursue peace with others is being right with God. When we're right with God, it affects our relationships. And it says that in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. It says, when the ways of people please the Lord, he, meaning God, makes even their enemies live at peace with them. Hmm. So if we're living in a right relationship with God and living from his perspective and obeying him and his word, experiencing his peace, it says that he will make even our enemies live at peace with us. And we have an example here of that actually happening in the, the life of one of our former presidents. President Herbert Hoover was asked by a reporter, Mr. President, how do you handle criticism? Do you ever get agitated or tense? No, President Hoover said, seemingly surprised at the question. Of course not. But the reporter went on. When I was a boy, you were one of the most popular men in the world. Then, for a while, you became one of the most unpopular, with every, nearly everyone against you. Didn't any of this meanness and criticism ever get under your skin? No, President Hoover said. I knew when I went into politics what I might expect. So when it came, I wasn't disappointed or upset, he said. He lowered his familiar bushy eyebrows and looked directly into the reporter's eyes. Besides, I have peace at the center. You know, inner peace comes from looking to God as our source. Do you have peace at the center? Or no matter what happens, no matter what people say. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. You know, it's the Prince of Peace. You've invited him at the center. And he changes our life for the better. He does. He really does. He and does. you can trust him no matter what, you know. And and you really can't have, you know, peace of God. You, you, you really can't. Until you know the God of peace. And when you can get to know him through his son, Jesus. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. You can have peace deep down in your heart. That's the truth of it. Mm -hmm. So why don't we uh, pray right now. And I think it would be very appropriate to lead us all. And if you would, just lead us all into a prayer. Of just recommitting our lives to the Prince of Peace himself. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that you loved me so much. That you loved me so much. That you sent your one and only Son. You sent your one and only Son. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. To die on the cross. To die on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. And to pay for them in full. And to pay for them in full. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I believe. I believe. That I am forgiven. That I am forgiven. And that Jesus. 
And that Jesus rose again from the dead. Rose again from the dead. On the third day. On the third day. To give me a new life. To give me a new life. A victorious life. A victorious life. A peaceful life. A peaceful life. And now. And now. I want to. I want to. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. And introduce. And introduce. Others. Others. To the Prince of Peace. To the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.